This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur News Laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Happy New Year everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yes, we record our first hafta of 2023 uh on the coldest day of this season in Delhi, 3 degrees. 4.4. Uh, 3 degrees 3 degrees yesterday sir it's colder in delhi than in masuri and dehradun yeah yeah so uh, a very happy new year to you all i hope this year is fantastic for everybody and you can kick off a new year by subscribing to news laundry if you don't already because we've been saying for the longest time when the public pays the public is served and address pay address are served and the last year has seen many many go down the way of subscription as they realize advertising just does not fund journalism and we have had adani take over ndtv recently it'll be interesting to see what changes that brings about uh, so we're recording this hafta on the 5th of january at 3 in the afternoon on thursday and let me introduce the panel to you before we get into the headlines in the studio with me is raman kripal hi raman sir hi manisha pande hello joining us on the phone line is anand vardhan hi anand hello and also joining us on the phone line is prashant reddy how do you pronounce your last name prashant before i mispronounce it book probably next month or maybe later this month uh he's also written for the indian express scroll hindu and, uh, and the hindu business line so uh we will get into the discussions around pharma because in the last few months there have been two s- serious cases of deaths allegedly because of some drugs that were made in india uh that is disputed by others uh but we will hopefully get some clarity on that from people who know uh, such as prashant But let's get the headlines first, Manisha. Yeah, can you please? Yeah. So I'll begin with headlines fr- uh, relating to pharmaceutical industry. The Union Health Minister said on Friday that all manufacturing activities at Noida-based pharmaceutical firm Mario Biotech will be stopped. This is the firm that was linked to the deaths of 18 children in Uzbekistan uh, in late July. Medical authorities in the Gambia detected an increase in cases of acute kidney injury among children under the age of five. The government later said that around 69 children had died from these injuries. The WHO said that these deaths may be linked to the cough syrups made by Maiden Pharmaceuticals. So two companies mm-hmm. in the spotlight. In early hours of Sunday, 20-year-old Anjali Singh met with an accident as her scooter was hit by a car. Her body was then dragged along by the car after she got entangled in its wheels. Her naked body was later found. in Kanjawala Jhoti's village this has been uh, the major headline this week there have been arrests made in the case one of the accused has links to the bjp and uh, the delhi police has also produced a witness in this case so this is quite uh, grabbed quite a bit of headlines since and the there was a protest uh, i think very the, big protest yesterday yeah. the, on wednesday or on tuesday yeah. uh, it was a pretty large protest in delhi seeking yeah. justice for anjali mm-hmm. Starting Sunday over 40,000 families living in unauthorized colonies in Haldwani railway station was railway land area was served eviction notices and given 7 days to vacate the area this is following an order by the Uttarakhand High Court and today the Supreme Court has actually stayed the Uttarakhand High Court order and said that you can't evict thousands of residents uproot almost 50,000 residents in 7 days especially given that it's really bitter cold hmm. the next hearing is going to be on the 7th of Feb 
On January 2, a mob vandalized a church after a group of Adivasis held a protest against alleged illegal religious conversions in Edka village of Narayanpur in Chhattisgarh. The demonstration took place a day after a clash between the two groups of Adivasis and it left 8 people injured. Chhattisgarh police on Tuesday arrested 5 people including a Bharatiya Janata Party leader in connection with the mob attack on church in the same district. Pratik has done a story. Yeah, he's done a very so we have a story. So ground report on this which you can see on newslaundry.com funded by subscribers. Kashmiri photojournalist Mohammad Manan Dar who was arrested in October 2021 on terrorism related charges was released on bail from Tihar in Delhi on Tuesday. The Supreme Court on Tuesday agreed to hear the Madhya Pradesh government's plea challenging a high court order that stops the state from taking action against those who have converted their religion without informing the district magistrate. Yeah, because otherwise every conversion was being treated as a forced conversion. Ministers and legislators enjoy freedom of speech and expression under under Article 19.1 of the Constitution, as other citizens, and additional restrictions cannot be imposed to curb their rights to free speech. That's what the Supreme Court said on Tuesday. This was actually uh, regarding it was a PIL, if I'm not wrong, that all the hate speech that leaders uh, indulge in, or any other um, you know speech that maybe talks about communities in specific, should be. considered illegal and of course that's deeply problematic mm. because you know you could be appealing to a, a dalit base a marginalized community so yeah so it's i think i think it's a good sign for all of us a constitution bench of the supreme court on monday upheld the decision by the central government to demonetize currency notes of rupees 500 and 1000 denominations so victory for the center <laughs> well i mean although we will discuss in a little bit of detail after this it, it was on the legality of it not mm. on anything else mm. yeah chief priest of ayodhya ram mandir extends his solidarity to bharat jodo yatra bharat jodo yatra and rahul gandhi not one chief priest the two mats two mats have two mats have and yogi has yogi has a question their intentions <laughs> cinema hall owners have the right to set conditions on movie goers carrying food and beverages inside theaters that's what the supreme court said on tuesday this before we get into you know the rest just quickly want to take a quick survey with our panel only this is regarding jammu and kashmir there were a couple of lawyers who had gone to the court saying that they should be allowed to take their food and snacks or Peanuts drinks in peanuts and snacks because it's prohibitively expensive what these multiplexes serve they had got a favorable order by the jnk high court and the supreme court with a bench with justice chandrachur was part of said that it's private property you cannot force them but what he has said is they have to provide drinking water for free they cannot charge you for water so on this you know i just want a quick view of the panel uh, prashant do you have a take on this do you think that's fine because i i see a lot of people are very unhappy with this that how can we be forced to buy popcorn for 150 200 we should be allowed to take our own stuff it's now 400 plus whatever but <laughs> i i just wonder you have a view on this prashant should should it be allowed not yeah, allowed? yeah. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, I think I think the court is right. Uh, speaking legally, if you're entering somebody's premises which they own, they have a right to impose certain conditions on you. So yes, I mean they can if they want to say that you can't bring in any food from outside. I think it's completely legal and reasonable, except when I have to actually go to a theater and pay up, you know, five hundred bucks for popcorn. Then right. it hurts. <laughs> right. But, Yeah, legally speaking, I can see where the court is coming from. Anand, you have a view on this? Two things. First is that uh, one thing that 
what uh, the courts had earlier made uh, mandatory was that you have to provide uh, free drinking water. Yeah. Mm. So in a lot of multiplexes, you will see in the corner, which is uh, some part uh, invisible. If you don't ask, you will not see it. Right. So in, in a corner, they provide uh, water. Otherwise, everything is expensive. And uh, I think uh, I had read a piece in The Economist three or four years ago, and it tried to explain why these places uh, keep things even expensive than the shopping malls and this the multiplexes. And its uh, explanation was that it uh, deliberately tries to attract only that uh, consumer set which is ready to buy that. And by that, it wants to push the benchmark even higher. So it turns uh, that outing into something that eating out would be aspirational. Mm, true. So uh, that was uh, the theory that the uh, piece uh, offered. And uh, um, legally, I think uh, it's a more complex than it uh, appears uh, in the, the first sight because I think cinema owners, uh, um, the only risk is that they will lose some goodwill, but uh, they can also assert certain rights here. Though it would be held or it, it is legally very valid, their argument, I don't know that uh, what would be its outcome. But uh, I think uh, the premise argument is a bit more complex than it appears. And uh, let's see. Raman, sir. I think Parshant and Anand have spoken about the legal part of it, but I feel that the primary purpose of going to a theatre is watching a movie mm. and the food is anyway very unhealthy. Mm. So, <laughs> so, Which is what uh, I think the, the court said so, that it's not a gym that you want healthy food. <laughs> it's such an unhealthy food so who is going to go for that? Popcorns are not even tasty. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly are, like uh, no, sukha. Some people find it tasty. But, <laughs> but I, I think also for the security reasons. Well I I mean I don't think it's I, th I think it's a, one is what you know Anand said there's a podcast also about why uh, all these sports stadiums like, you know, Dodgers or Red Sox, all this in America, the baseball stadiums, every professional team has to have its own stadium. So the way the Cokes and the hot dogs are priced over there are ridiculously expensive. So it's a revenue source. It is outsourced how they, you know, you have to maximize your profit. And then one stadium actually tried, they cut the amount that you had to pay and actually sales went up. I mean, that's a more complicated economic thing. But I think one big loss of the multiplex culture is that cinemas were such a democratic space. I remember when I was a child and you went to watch, you know, Dwar Do Paanch or Parvarish or uh, that Naseeb with Amitabh Bachchan or even up to Hum, up to the 90s. You know, people would be dancing in the front stalls because that ticket was anything between 2 to 8 rupees, depending on what you're talking about. The balcony ticket, when I watched Mani Pyar Ke, was 7 rupees 50 paisa, which is the most expensive ticket. Mm. So you had someone paying 2 rupees for a ticket, you had someone paying 7 rupees for a ticket in the same cinema, people throwing coins, dancing. And, you know, by chance, if you didn't get balcony, you were sitting in the stalls. Like, you would be watching the film with the driver of the rickshaw that you came to the cinema with. That experience can't happen today. The rickshaw driver that you came with will not be sitting next to you in the hall. That could happen no matter what. And I think that's a big loss. I'm not saying it's anyone's fault, but that's unfortunate. Except in Chennai. Oh, is that right? In really? In Chennai, the first three uh, rows are still reserved for tickets at some at a very minimalistic price. Even so at those, multiplexes. Even, 
no, no. In Chennai, they don't they, they don't put proper seats. They just put benches. In even in uh, I've seen it happen in some multiplexes a but, few years ago. I don't know if it's still. But there. Chennai still in, has single screen halls, huh? Hmm. Yeah. In Hyderabad, uh, it's I think ticket prices are still under price control. They're still quite expensive, but not as expensive as Delhi because the government regulates the prices of tickets here. Actually, Delhi, I don't. Uh, Delhi, I don't think it has any uh, single screen halls left. So Chennai and Hyderabad do have single screens. I mean, they have those old-fashioned one-screen cinemas. Hyderabad doesn't have too many. Okay. Chennai, I think it still has a few. Delhi has one in Darya Ganj, if I'm not mistaken, one single screen hall. Okay, but uh, and just I would Manisha can get on to the rest of the headlines. One last story I want to say that about you can't you know do your own food. You have to take our food. When we were in school. We had a teacher who had bypassed this problem. He took us out on an outing because up to class ten, you were taken for an outing by your tutor. So we all had a school uniform. We entered a restaurant called Moti Mahal and we sat down. And we thought, wow, we're going to get Moti Mahal food. He said, "Bara Coke." So each of us, whatever thumbs up, whatever it was at that time, and he put a, took out his basket and started serving aloo puri to us. <laughs> so Moti, so Moti Mahal said, "You cannot get your own food. You have to order from here." He's I've ordered a coke from there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, okay. But anywho, yeah, the Andhra Pradesh government on Monday put a ban on large gatherings and processions on roads, including on national highways. This is after a total of eleven people died in stampede at two public meetings held by Telugu Desam Party President N Chandrababu Naidu over the last week. So yeah, one the one the eight people died happened last week, and we had actually included that in last week's hafta. And then after that, there have been three more. So Prashant, uh, why is it that uh, Chandrababu Naidu's back to back two of his roadshows? I'm guessing these are roadshows and not rallies. They were deaths because so many rallies and roadshows take place with far more people. I mean, is is hell of a coincidence, right? And both these are in Hyderabad. Where was this? No, no, this is must have you know must have happened in Andhra where okay. he's campaigning. Right. Okay. So I'm mean, Hyderabad and Telangana, right? Oh, right. But of honestly, course, I, I Telangana know, has been given Hyderabad. They have got Amravati, right? That's the that's completed now. They no, no, intended... it's not completed. It's under a lot of dispute. Still under construction. The state government doesn't want to build a new capital, and uh, the High Court is trying to force the state government to build a capital city over there. Because what Jagan wanted to do was uh, disperse the capital over the existing cities, like have uh, locate different institutions in three different cities yeah. in Andhra Pradesh. Hmm. He didn't want to spend money on building a new capital, and uh, that's where the High Court and uh, Jagan were, you know, locked in, uh, you know, in combat. And that's where he got into a fight even with uh, the former Chief Justice Ramana, because the allegations, if you remember, were that. Yeah. Was, Dot his family. Somebody had acquired land in Amravati, so that's the background to that complicated dispute. The rally had happened in Guntur. Guntur, right? Yeah, that's. Mm. Uh-huh. J P Nadda is on a pole-bound visit to Karnataka. He's there today, and he's going to be there tomorrow. And Amit Shah has also made some visits, so it's 2024. Run up to 2024 has begun. No, I think 2023. Elections. Both these states go to elections. Yeah, Karnataka goes to elections. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, in yeah. fact, right now, as we are recording this, uh, Mr. Nadda is making a speech in Karnataka, which NDTV is showing live. So we all wow. already see changes. <laughs> it's a it's a speech of not much national significance, but it has been live being being on NDTV. Even though the other channels, that the so-called Godi, are not showing it, but these guys are. And uh, while we speak, Mr. Shah is in Tripura, 
where also I think in the last few weeks there have been some resignations, right, of BJP allies. I think basically they're getting into that revenue model now that before elections they will contest on another ticket and then... <laughs> revenue model. <laughs> Chief of Bharatiya Janata Party's Karnataka unit on Monday urged party workers to not to focus on love jihad instead of sewage and road infrastructure. Oh yeah, that was a fantastic speech. Don't worry about little things like this. Think about your children's future. <laughs> yeah, that, that was fascinating. So, love jihad is what will impact your children's future. Doesn't matter if your roads are bad. Yeah, it doesn't matter if your roads are bad. Don't worry about all this. Yeah. Uh, Labor unions of three state-owned power companies in Maharashtra, which represents 80,000 workers, have called for a 72-hour strike from Tuesday night to protest against the granting of electricity distribution license to private firms. Hmm. The National Company Law Appellate Tribunal on Wednesday refused to put an interim stay on Competition Commission of India's 13,000 crore penalty on Google. Actually, regarding the previous headline, this is perfect time for an Arvind Kejriwal-like figure to emerge in Maharashtra because it was the Bijli issue that he took up as before his first election, after the whole Janlokpal movement. As an election issue, it was when he burned all those bills that all these private companies are getting the bills and they are charging you so much. Remember, he cut all those, he got onto ladders and mm-hmm. disc, and that had a lot of resonance with all the people. So that was his first. But uh, not in support of uh, what is, uh, I'm not against the laborers, I'm labor. But these things, these disruptions are going to happen. No, it's inevitable. No, what I'm saying is a great political opportunity. Ah. I mean, I think there's an inevitability Inevitable. to it being, you know, privatized. But yes. yeah. IMF says that one third of the world economy will be in res- recession this year. Meanwhile, e-commerce company Amazon on Wednesday announced that it will lay off more than 18,000 employees due to uncertainty in the economy. In fact, there's a report that's come out today that January usually faces the most layoffs and the likelihood of layoffs this January are higher than in the past. Hmm. Our neighbours going through a tough time. Pakistan on Tuesday announced a series of measures including closing all malls and markets by 8.30pm in an attempt to conserve energy amid a severe economic crisis. And a power crisis and not just malls and markets. Marriages have to end by 10. You cannot continue parties and marriage halls and pandals and all those things by 10. So it's a serious it's crisis happening. Too, yeah? Yeah. Pele, the global face of soccer, dies at 82. Yeah, and there was a huge ceremony in Brazil, Mm -hmm. sending off Pele. Uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about that. But uh, first, let's get to the deaths regarding the medicines. The task of investigating those deaths and establishing, you know, the causation was actually, was the responsibility of the government of Gambia. The World Health Organization in these cases only lends support when a country doesn't have the facilities. For example, Gambia, being a very poor country, didn't have any labs to test the cough syrups, which is why the World Health Organization got involved and they tested the cough syrups and detected the uh, really high amounts of diethylene glycol. Now, Gambia itself, uh, in the last week of December, their uh, parliament, which is called the National Assembly, released a report of a select committee that had been set up specifically for the purpose of investigating these deaths. And that select committee report has attributed the deaths uh, of these children to the contaminated uh, cough syrup that they had. And prima facie, if you look at it, the symptoms that were reported for these children are the symptoms that you see when uh, a person consumes anything with diethylene glycol. That is, it causes renal failure and that renal failure then leads to eventual death. And children are far more susceptible 
to a diethylene poisoning because of their smaller body sizes and you know everything is proportionately smaller so they are more susceptible to these kinds of deaths right and what about this case that's happened now any clarity on that uh, where will that be so tested we, so yeah so in this case the uzbek government itself put out a press release nothing more than that see the who is actually not used to being in a confrontational relationship with most of its uh, member countries so. i think also post covid you know the who's position in the world is not as yeah. solid as it used to be i mean partly circumstantial partly science is such a thing partly covid was a new thing many things that they said earlier i mean even in the us you know just the way trump took who as this political whipping boy that he could use and forchi right that's his name uh, yeah. anthony forchi uh, but um, there were some rather insensitive statements uh, even by some anchors i remember back back in the gambia case that uh, this drug is not sold in india it's only exported as if to suggest it's okay if you know kids in other countries die indian kids are not dying we found that this company like in its uh, the product portfolio it had mentioned a number of cough syrups so we just basically went through the trademark registry to see how many of these cough syrups were registered the brands were registered in india for trademark protection and we found that like although those four brands that were being exported to gambia were not registered as trademarks in india there were other brands of cough syrup being sold by this company which were registered in the trademark registry which which indicates a high possibility of them selling these cough syrups in india under a different name basically under a different matlab aspirin ho ya disprin ho gaya that kind of thing na that basic just one yeah. you change one okay yeah. got it hmm. that's the one thing the other thing is and we got into a fight with the with the cdsa because they sent us a legal notice right before our book launch hmm. in october where we had given an interview to uh, uh, india today the the magazine hmm. and uh, one of the questions was you know we, we basically said that there is there's no provision in the law which gives an export only license so basically under the drugs and cosmetics act once you get a a license to manufacture you can manufacture for domestic markets or you can export to any other country there's nothing in the law and the reason we said this specifically was because since 2007 there've been two legislative attempts there in parliament wherein the government wanted to give the powers to regulate exports exclusively to the national drug regulator and both bills failed they never passed through parliament they were never even voted upon so the position of law as far as we were aware is that there is no there is no different export only license so we wrote in our response also to the government saying that you please tell us in which provision of the drugs and cosmetics act is there a provision wherein you can tell a company you can only export this drug and not sell it within india there's no such provision and they weren't able to do it the centers are response also they weren't able to identify the provision they just kept repeating uh, threats the same threats that they made in the first letter to us so it could have very well been circulating in india too yeah there's no Basically. way to know i guess yeah you know the so the danger is forget even if these four brands were not sold in india the f- fact of the matter is this company is manufacturing other cough syrups mm. which appear to which whose trademarks are registered in the trademark registry which means they're likely selling them in india and if this company is not following good manufacturing practices and not testing the raw materials and the final product 
for the export market, then it's very likely they're not doing it even for the Indian market. Yeah, there's no reason to believe. So what that does this do for our reputation? And I was also wondering, like, from these two nations, isn't there pressure on the Indian government to act and explain what happened here? And especially so Uzbekistan. How can you be so brazen? If I'm not wrong, about five years ago, there was a delegation. There was some Uzbek leader uh, who had come, and I, I remember it was a it was a news item that they wanted to do some export or you know some joint uh, projects for healthcare. I think they wanted Indian doctors and nurses, etc., to set up hospitals and medical care uh, in the in their country because a lot of the medical tourism that comes here is from Uzbekistan. Because I, I, I and, and, and Uzbekistan is also of a lot of strategic interest because there are some rumors that there, the Indian Air Force has a base, one of its few overseas bases, is in Uzbekistan and Gambia. They there was palpable anger because uh, the nation we were in touch with some of the people, some of the activists and lawyers in Gambia who were trying to deal with this. And uh, some of their doctors were on the record expressing shock at how the Indian government had given uh, this company a clean chit. Here also, the problem is, of course, the um, rules, regulation, environment protection and development would be sometimes complementary, but at a lot of times they would be at loggerheads. And to strike a balance, you need to be very imaginative from the right from the beginning. Uh, the rules application, you have to draft policies which balance the needs of both. And uh, I'm sure that uh, such imaginative policy would be there on the paper, but for many reasons, I means. Uh, uh, we live in a society which is managed by bureaucracy. And bureaucracy has to also deal with a lot of factors, a lot of uh, uh, social factors, uh, pulls and presses, and other considerations. Now, because of this, there has not been a consistent policy. Uh, I am not very uh, aware of the details of this case, but in a lot of similar cases in other parts of the country. so inconsistent application of rules lead to unrest, lead to restive crowds. And um, finally, what happens is that it defeats the uh, objective of policy as well as law, even if it's legal. It's very possible that they will find the sympathy, the protesters will find the sympathy of the judiciary. Right. Raman, so you're saying? Railways have a huge chunk of land, first of all, in India, you know, all yeah, over the, India. The, I think the, the, the largest. After the army. Laha. The second no, largest. after the army, this is in terms of uh, the force, uh, workforce. Army has the maximum workforce. No, even land. Uh, land, army, I think they have. Railway is more than army. Okay. Haan, hmm. Railway has a lot of land. And hmm. as Anand said, the bureaucratic responses will see to it. Hmm. It During uh, Lalu Prasad, uh, when he was a railway minister, he was the one that initiated that we must use this idle land. Mm. Either we should lease it out or we should sell it uh, for the commercial purposes. Right. So at that time, I remember, uh, you know, uh, whichever paper I was working for, we came up with several stories that how they are, uh, you know, they have identified their land in Delhi and in, in all the metro cities, this land, and they were identifying it. And uh, they said that they are going to use it for the commercial purposes. So as... It, ha it happened during the Lalu's, mm. during Lalu's time, right? But nothing happened. And and even in case of Haldwani, uh, 
there is some kind of confusion. I think they said that it, they have 29 acre of land or, or is it now the second affidavit is saying it's 70 acre of land. Hmm. But they certainly, uh, railway has got land. It Legally, maybe they are absolutely right. But most of it is encroached upon because their own railway police, uh, you know, could not handle mm. uh, this encroachment. So if you, uh, it's not just Haldwani, it's a very small, it's a, it's a, it's a B city. Mm. Uh, but if you go to even A city uh, like uh, Delhi and all the metro cities, you will find many of them are is encroached upon. I don't know how they're going to get it back. Also, uh, mm. we've done a story on it, Tughlaqabad Fort. Yeah. It's ASI protected. There is no way legally you can right. have a colony there. Right. But there is a colony. There are meters that have been put. There's water connections. Right. So, you know, and if at least our story d- does indicate that it is a pro- MP of, of the... MP MLA. Uh, who are involved. Our politicians, yes. Uh, in, in putting that. So, I mean, yeah, if, if from the top you can't stem it, you cannot... You cannot say that the rules should be followed bottom up. No, it remained idle for a very long time. Mm. Very, very long time. And they did not take care of it. Mm. And uh, since 90s or late, uh, early 20s, uh, 2000, they are talking about using it for commercial purposes, but nothing happened. I mean, uh, and you're right, by the way, Railways is the largest landowner. uh, uh, And then distant second is Ministry of Defense. uh, Ministry of Defense is number two. And number three is Radha Sami Satsang Bias. It is. It's not a joke, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously. Right. Radha Sani Satsang is the third right. largest owner. After. Are you sure? I think Vakf just, would be somewhere. I'll just check. I think it's... No, Vakf is here. It'll probably be Radha Sani. I'll just check. Vakf there is but, a lot of uh, corruption. Know, when it comes to... Uh, sorry, Prashant, what is your take? I mean, how does one solve for something like this? Because there is historical perspective, right? If If... If some if there's a colony that's been there for two generations, like the Supertech Towers, they brought them down before they were occupied. So mm. there was less public outcry. Uh, because abhi to bane. I I think I think the real scandal over here is how the High Court has dealt with the issue. Hmm. You know, in the guise of a PIL from and I I have to preface this with this was Twitter research. But <laughs> apparently the PIL started off with something about a sand mining case on the banks of a river or something and it morphed into this this slum clearance uh, machine and this is very well documented. I don't know if you read Anuj Bhuvanya's book, uh, Quoting the People. Uh, he's uh, a professor at Jindal. So where he, he uh, documents and explains how the Delhi High Court basically used its PIL jurisdiction to uh, become a slum demolition machine wow. where there were, you know, the special interest groups moving the high court under the guise of a PIL and the high court is just ordering like crazy remedies left, right and center for, you know, evictions, conversions of this, that, etc, etc. This is not the way to handle and PILs are definitely not the way to handle issues like this. All of you listening in, the Chota Hafta, do subscribe so you can listen to the entire Hafta. We will see you again next week with the Hafta. Till then, subscribe, pay to keep news free because when the public pays, the public is served and advertisers pay. Advertisers are served. Thank you. Goodbye. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.